Hey everybody, welcome to the Fearlessly Authentic Podcast. Episodes aimed at presenting truth in a fearlessly authentic way. By now you know I'm Jerry, and this is part two of a message called Handling Success. In this message, we see the third part of how Joseph is going to handle the success that was given to him when the Pharaoh made him the prime minister of all of Egypt. So let's look into God's word and let's find out how we should handle success. Godly people strive to make a difference. They strive to make a difference. Your success may be questioned by others. Go over to verse 45. Verse 45. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zaphpath paneah Now, I thought I had a hard last name. Oh, what's your last name, sir? Well, Koyak, uh, could you spell that for me? Yes, S-M-I-T-H. <laughs> Boy, it doesn't, doesn't sound anything like it's spelled. Nah, it doesn't. Zaphpath Panea. And he gave to his wife Asnath, the, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities. The food of the field which was round about every city laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering for it. It was without number. First of all, your success is going to be questioned by others. Don't allow the critics to take away what God's done in your life. Secondly, your success cannot change your character. It can't change who you are. What did Joseph get? He got a position, he got a ring, he got a robe, he got a wife, all at 30 years old. All at 30 years of age. What were you doing when you were 30? I don't believe that you were the second in command of a country. I don't believe that when you walked through Walmart, there was guys in front of you saying, bow, bow, bow. He got, a, he got a choice wife. Life was good at 30. 30. Boy, couldn't pride sneak into someone's life like that? The, word, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29, verse 23, it says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Proverbs 11, verse 2 says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. In fact, hold your place here in Genesis. Flip over to the book of Psalms. Look at Psalm chapter 10, and would you look at verse 4 with me? The wicked, that, that's interesting. Prideful people are described as wicked. No, I don't like that. I don't like that. You like that? I don't like that. You know why I don't like that? Because sometimes I'm prideful, but I don't feel I'm wicked. Right? Don't we justify that? Ooh, we're good at that. I'm prideful, but I'm not wicked. The Bible says, nah, you're wicked. Well, I'd like to argue with that. Yeah, argue all you want, but you're wicked. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. Say it with me. Will not seek after God. God is not at all in his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far, from, are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. You know what that means? Any critic? I think you're prideful. But he puffeth at them. He hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved. Isn't that just like a prideful person? I'm not moving. I'm not moving. You move. For I shall never be in adversity. <laughs> Bad things never happen to me. <laughs> it's coming. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. He sitteth in the lurking places of the villages. 
In the secret places doth he murder the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. He lieth in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lieth in wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. He croucheth and humbleth himself that the poor may fail by his strong ones. He hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten. He hideth his face. He will never see. He says, oh, God don't care what I'm doing. God's not going to see this. What do we see there? We're seeing here that the, what pride does, it changes your character. But in the story of Joseph, in the verses that we just read about Joseph, he did exactly what he told the Pharaoh he was going to do. How many people that you know have got promoted with this great plan to do all these things, then once they get the position, once they get the office, they never follow through with what they're going to say. Anybody ever work for someone like that? Well, like, that guy's a jerk. I hate that guy. He said he was going to do all this, and then he got promoted, and then he forgot who we were. He just stepped on me up the ladder of success. Well, one day he's coming back, and I got a hammer. Sometimes that's you, though. Sometimes you make all these promises, and then you get to where maybe even God gives you what you asked for, and then all of a sudden you forget all the promises that you made. Like the drunk who gets drunk at night, and in the morning is sick to his stomach and is bowing before the porcelain God, and is just unloading everything that's in his stomach, and he's saying, oh God, if you only take this away, I'll never drink again. But that night he goes right back. And sometimes we're like that drunk. We allow success to change our character. What used to be important to us and God is now only what's important to me is what's going to get done. What's important to me. So Christ didn't come to die for what's important to you. He came to die for what's important to him. Success will change your character. Joseph said what he did what he was going to do. He was the same with the ring as he was in the dungeon. Same guy. Same guy. Then look at verse 50. Back, back to Genesis chapter 41. Verse 50. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the year of famine came, which Athnath, his wife, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God said he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Say, what, what do you get from that? How is, how is having kids... And, Naming their kids. What, what are we going to learn about success here? Here's my thought. Your success should drive you to greater dependence. Success should not make you feel like you've arrived and you're independent. Success should drive you to greater dependence. Here's how I see this from this text. Here's what I see here. He names his firstborn son. What does he name him? You say it? Manasseh. You should know that. Got a little town down the road named Manasseh. What does Manasseh mean? Basically means your blessings have made me to forget my trials. And I put forget in quotes. God, your blessings have made me to forget my trials. There isn't a person here who hasn't gone through some kind of trial. Just going to give that to you. But if you're honest with yourself, there are some blessings that have come to you that have just made you almost forget about the trials that you went through. And if it happened before, it can happen again. You've got to learn to be dependent. Well, I'm going through this trial and God just won't go through this because you're trying to spend all your effort and all your time trying to fix it your way and you're not dependent upon the Lord. You're not content to wait upon the Lord, which is very hard to do. I'm not saying, oh, waiting is just a joy. Let's just, just join the wait train. No, the wait train is crazy. To wait and to wait and to wait when you want to go and you want to go and you want to go. But God says, no, wait on the Lord. Let me be your strong tower. Let me be your buckler in defense. Let me be the one who will protect you from what I see coming that you don't even see. Will you, will you wait or will you continue to try and force your particular agenda and your particular way? 
Well, I just don't know. I'm in a trial and it just won't end. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're not as dependent as you think you are. And God says, you know what? Try it your way. I'll wait. I'll wait on you. And when you're ready, then I may ask you to wait a little longer. But my plan is much greater than your plan. He named his first son Manasseh. His second son, Ephraim. Ephraim, what does that mean? It literally means God brings beauty when others meant evil. His second son comes. He says, what are we going to do? Oh, you know what? Um, Joseph's like, no, I know what it is. I know what it is. What is it, Joseph? It's Ephraim. God has brought beauty when a lot of people tried to bring evil. Joseph, wait, let, let me get this straight. You are the second in command in Egypt. Anything you say can happen. Nobody can lift their head or foot without your permission. People, people have to bow when you walk by. Anything you want to eat, anything you want to drink, you want servants, you want to, it'll all be taken. And, and, and you're dependent? Yes, I'm dependent on the one who has brought beauty when others meant evil in my life. I, am, I, almost will, I almost forgot, in quotes, that I was a prisoner in the dungeon, that I was a servant, that I was betrayed because of what God has allowed me to be blessed with, these two sons, this wife, this position, this opportunity to save a nation. Joseph gave his sons two biblical Hebrew names in a foreign Egyptian culture. You don't think there might have been a little bit of pressure to say, so what are you going to name him? Scath, Path, Padilla? Cat in the Cradle and a Silver Spoon? You know, little boy blue and a man in the moon. What, what are you going to name him? You're going to name him Manasseh and Ephraim. Which then, which then makes me ask, what kind of stories do you think he was talking to his boys at night? Think he was talking about even Grandpa the priest who served on? No, I don't think so. Who's on? Well, he's kind of what your grandpa's into, but it's not a real God. Let me tell you about Jehovah. Let me tell you about how you, how you live this life. This is how, boys, this is how you live life. This is how you live life. You ready? 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 Dad, how do we get a ring? How do we, how do we get to be, how do we get this? Everybody wants to know that, right? Everybody wants to talk to people who are successful. How do you do this? 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 What are the, what are the steps you need to take? What are the steps you need to take? I read this thing the other day in Christianity Today, one of their blogs, and it said this. It says there's a lot of, or maybe, it, no, it was a quote from, from your book that you were showing me on the airplane. And uh, it said that there are a lot of guys who are very successful in the ministry who have terrible homes. And he said this, I don't call that a work of the Spirit, do you? We have got to be dependent. Dependent. It starts at home. He never let his family forget who it was that brought him to where he was now. Look at verse 53, last point. And when the seven years of plenteous that was in the land of Egypt was ended, and the seven years of dearth began to come according as Joseph had said, and the dearth was in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, and the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt, and all countries came into Egypt to Joseph to buy corn because that the famine was so sore in all the lands. Here's, here's the last point. Your success must be infused with compassion. This is a normal bottle of water. It'll do the job. It will refresh you. It'll, 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 it, I can be successful with that. But it's not infused with anything. It's just the normal old bottled water. It's normal old bottled water. But then you have this bottle of water, one of these fancy, 
infusion bottles of water with blueberries at the bottom. See, what that does is that it's infused with something to make it to enhance the water. There's still water in there. That water will do the same job with or without blueberries, but with blueberries or strawberries or oranges or lemons or, hey, pineapple. Man, that, that enhances the water. It gives a little flavor to the water. It, it, it gives a little extra something. It, 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 it sort of makes you want to come back to that a little bit more than just a normal bottle of water because it's infused with something extra. Success is represented by the water. But you know as well as I do that anybody can be successful to the point that they feel that they're successful. We saw people in Hawaii that were homeless that felt that they were pretty successful. They were homeless in Hawaii living on the beach in a tent. That was successful to them. In fact, some very crafty ones were in a park and they learned to steal electricity off a light pole and they're getting in trouble for it. They're, they're pretty crafty there. So success can be generic. You could be successful. But when you infuse it with the blueberries or you infuse it with what the blueberries represent, compassion, now you've enhanced it. You've infused your success with something that's going to enhance it, that's going to make it a little more attractive. It's going to, it's going to take the success that can basically anybody can grab a bottle of water, but the infused water is something that's specially, specially made, specially packaged, specially prepared for your particular taste. And let me tell you this, every single person that you meet has a taste for compassion. And no matter how successful you become, we see Joseph here, who at the time of famine was not only compassionate with his brethren, but he opened up the borders to all of the world, if you will, in order to spread out the compassion that he had, even for others who were coming who were hungry. If you were hungry, you came to Joseph. We see that compassion for Joseph was more important than self-ambition. Back to Truett Cathy, who had those $3 billion, right? $3 billion. Truett Cathy once said this in a conference. He said, he says, you can hold your money two ways. You can hold it like this, tightly, or you can hold it like this, loosely. He said that when you hold it tightly like this, he says, God can't put anything else in. When you hold your money like this, yeah, God may take some, but he is also able to put a lot more in. And he says, I've just learned to hold my, fi- my, my, my resources this way. See, what, what Truett Cathy was is he was compassionate with his success. I think by the time he died, I think there was over 100 young people that he had personally adopted as foster children. Personally went to court, signed Truett Cathy, and he was their granddad. He established these windshape homes all around the South for those who would be in the foster, uh, foster program. And instead of going to family after family after family after family, they would come to the windshape home. He would pay a couple full, full, full salary. He would buy the house, and he would provide all of, the, all of the finances to run that house so that those kids could have a decent place to come home to with a mom and a dad every night. Several people would give you stories about how Truett Cathy would come to them and would pay their college tuition or give them help with their college tuition. One young man, when he, was a, he wasn't a young man when he was telling this story, but when he was going to college, Truett Cathy came to him and he says, do you have any suits? And he says, no, sir, I don't have any suits. Was well, he came to college without suits. Go down to this address and get suits. Well, this was the finest tailor in all of Atlanta on Peachtree Street. And here comes this young country black kid. This is in the 60s now, who walks in and tells him that he was afraid to walk in, but there was a, there was a guy at the door and he says, are you, are you Mr. Truett Cathy's uh, 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 were you sent by Truett Cathy? He says, yes, I am. He says, come on, we've been waiting for you. And they loaded, and they, they, they tailored him out, and he says, well, I just need a suit. He says, no, Mr. Cathy says you need three suits. And Mr. Cathy says you need to pick out underwear and socks and, and T-shirts, and you need to pick out all this because you've got to have clean stuff when you go. It's because he held his compassion. He held his success like this. 
we tend to hold our success like this. Even the little that we have, we hold it so tight. And our faith goes out the back door when success comes in the front door. True, Kathy wasn't a perfect person. He'd be the person to tell you that. But he was a godly person. He didn't let success run his faith out. Up to the point, he died when he was 90-some years old. Up to the point when he was 90 years old, he was still teaching a 7th and 8th grade Sunday school class in a church there in Atlanta. He loved boys. In fact, he wrote a book. He said, it's better to, it's better to build boys than to mend men. That's true Kathy, though. His story's over. He's in heaven, rejoicing with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His story is one to be told, but it's his story. It's not yours, not mine. So what about your story? How are you going to handle success? Or how are you handling success? See, it's a tool to demonstrate your faith, not an excuse to deny your faith. And to me, Joseph reminds me of one other person in Scripture, and that's Jesus. He was questioned, right? His success was questioned. Who is this man? Who does he think he is? Uh, he's the Messiah. He never let success change who he was. The Scripture says he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. He remained dependent on his father. He said, it's the will, it's my, it's, it, is, it is my will to do the will of God, will of my father. And he had compassion on all that would come to him. It reminds me of Joseph. When, when people were hungry, they came to the man who could provide them bread. And people need to find the bread of life in Jesus Christ. And all that will come to him, he will feed them. There isn't a person who would, who would come to Jesus that he would say, no, 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 you're too rough. No, you're going to have to do this. No, go get cleaned up. No, no, no. There isn't a sin that you could commit that God will not forgive. And that's why he calls all to come to him. How many? All. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And many of you have done that, but many of you may not have. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, man, you can come to the bread of life today and you can receive eternal life and begin this wonderful journey with this wonderful Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Many of you have done that, and I appreciate the fact that you did. But where is your faith now in view of the success that you've had in the past? See, success should help me to demonstrate my faith, not an excuse to deny my faith. We get successful and all of a sudden the Bible goes out the window, church attendance goes out the window. It's not as important. All the people understand. Oh, and God's like, yeah, I didn't give you success so that you could use it as an excuse. I gave it for you to demonstrate the greatness of me. So how do you get, how do you handle that? Do you get mad at those who criticize you and forget about everything that God's done? Do you become another person? One way at work, one way at home? You pursue independence with reckless abandonment. I'm going to do what I want to do and I don't care what anybody says. Do you lose compassion for others? What is your plan for handling success? We must use any success that God sends our way as a tool to demonstrate our faith. Please, please don't use it as an excuse to deny it. Let me pray for you. I hope that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and I hope that that is the basis of what you have success in your life. Thanks for listening today, and I hope that we were an encouragement to you. If we were, would you share a link to our podcast on your social media so that we can get the word out to others about what we're doing here at Fearlessly Authentic? Thanks for listening today, and we hope that you'll come back and listen next time when we look at another message from Joseph and God's Word here on Fearlessly Authentic.